Raptors are finding exactly that. Ways to win, Jack. Get back on the bandwagon, Matty D! That bold proclamation you just heard from Jack Armstrong, that the Raptors are back. But who would argue with him? From a 2-8 and eight record to start the season, they've recovered to 16-15, and 15, to 5th in the Eastern Conference. In the last week, they've beaten the conference-topping Philadelphia 76ers. They've beaten the Bucks not once but twice, lim- limiting Giannis in both games. The role players are all contributing from Boucher to Bembry to Stanley Johnson to Watanabe. And Nick Nurse seems to have got it all figured out. That and much more in this special solo episode of Balling in the Six. The week didn't start off so well, though. A loss, a frustrating home loss to the flailing Minnesota Timberwolves really put a sour note on things after an equally frustrating loss against Boston, which we discussed last time out. The return of Carl Anthony Towns certainly helped Minnesota, but quite frankly, their role players went off. Have you ever seen Ricky Rubio go 50% from three? He hit four from behind the line and uh, Beasley, another six. The Raptors on the meanwhile, Lowry was the top scorer with 24 and he was helped out. And this is important. He was helped out by both Powell and Van Vliet, who scored 22. Now, in the next three games after the subsequent Milwaukee game, Lowry sat out with injury. The Raptors won all three. The Raptors' record without Lowry since November 2019 is 16-0. Is this something to consider for the front office closer to the trade deadline? Does this team need Kyle Lowry when someone like Norman Powell seems to have finally matured into a starter? Yes, this could just be a hot streak for Norm, like he has every season. But this is a very long one. It's come early on. And it shows no sign of stopping, whether it's from behind the arc, whether it's driving in off ball, making cuts, whether it's taking the ball directly and trying to get to the line, something that the Raptors have really struggled with throughout the season. Norman Powell has proved himself to be one of the most valuable players in this Raptors Raptors season, the most valuable discoveries as well. Still a loss to the Timberwolves, it was... Not enough, really, from the bench. You had Boucher with six. Bembry, who's been extremely impressive, we'll get on to later. As with Davis, uh, also will touch on his form later with five. Bembry with nine. Just not enough off the bench. And the Raptors snapped their 16-game home winning streak against the Timberwolves. Now, that's not such an important game. What was, was the double header against the Milwaukee Bucks. Because once again, like the Nets game before it, like the Boston game, these sort of fixtures, these sort of matchups show whether you can really play with the big boys in the postseason. And the Milwaukee Bucks pulled off everything. Bud tried to pull off everything. He got clowned on as a coach and many by many Bucks fans after on all the forums because he was simply outclassed by Nick Nurse. Interestingly, the Raptors started small ball in this game. The lineup was Lowry, Powell, Van Vliet, Siakam, and Ananobi. And you only had Baines off the bench when you had uh, a similar size center coming off there, as you know, when you needed to combat the big men, like maybe a Bobby Portis or something, who a real rim protector. But Smallball came out and fired up early in the first quarter. 
And they also closed with it as well. Did it help? Of course. 124-113 victory. Siakam with 23. Again, there was worries, right? Before the Boston game, there was worries that, okay, maybe his bubble form is continuing. He's a flat-track bully. Maybe he can't do it against the bigger teams. Instead, he delivers again. He only shoots 8 from 23, but he gets to the line five times. He shoots a couple from beyond the arc. 23 with 13 rebounds, 6 assists, and a steal. Great performance. Van Vliet took the scoring mantle. 33 points and 7 assists. Lowry was limited this game because of injury. 18. And then, you, of course, you had six-man of the year contender, Chris Boucher, who, of course, after yesterday's game, we will be talking about a little bit later, with 14 off the bench. On the other side, okay, Yanis scored 34, but he was actually defended well because the box office ran through him. You could tell he was really up for this game, but it was a tough one for him. It was a really, really tough one. And it meant that the swarming defense meant that his partner in crime, Chris Middleton, could not even get a shot off. It's not like he shot terribly and the Raptors forced him, you know, to go, you know, five for 20 or something. He shot four from eight. The man only had eight shots. He is so consistent. He played the most minutes out of all the bucks, but he only took eight shots, 11 points, shot 50%. But if you're not taking the shots, it's not going to happen for you. And eventually the Raptors came out and honestly, the small ball is looks like it's really working. It looks like a weapon. And I'd be very interested to see how it's going to turn out against other big playoff teams. Maybe not against the Nets, of course, who don't have a center of themselves. But against the Bucks, this looks like the rotation that Nick Nurse is going to use. Now, of course, to play them a couple of days later, was Bud going to make adjustments? Yeah, maybe he will. But, of course, Nick Nurse, once again, just one step ahead. Had to start DeAndre Bembry with Lowry out. but again. That showed with Norm moving into the two spot and OG moving into the four and Siakam playing at center, well, a makeshift mobile center, all of them delivered again. Norman Powell, 29 points, 9 of 12 shooting. Again, importantly, got to the line eight times. Siakam got to the line seven times on his way to 27. And there was finally some help off the bench. It came in the form of Matt Thomas, 17 minutes Two or five shooting, crucial, crucial minutes. Most importantly, plus 13 on the court. Aaron Baines, again, only took three shots, plus 19 on his time on the court. Those, these were the guys who really turned the game around when it was looking weak. And when the Bucks, who have decent depth, you know, with the likes of Bobby Portis, with DJ Augustine, even Giannis's brother uh, played eight minutes and it was actually very explosive. I'm surprised he didn't get put back in. Again, that's down probably to budge shortcomings rather than any matchup problems. But again, the Raptors made adjustments. They had to make a lineup line adjustments. Who would ever have thought that Andre Bembry would be playing 37 minutes against this sort of opposition and the starting lineup for the Raptors? But he did. He was a brilliant playmaker. It allows Van Vliet to do his thing off ball. You know, when Van Vliet's on form from three, you want him, you know, coming off screens. You don't necessarily want him being the main ball handler, especially when Lowry's out. So Bembry can take up that role. And he played absolutely fantastically, despite, you know, when you look at the box score, five points, two rebounds, four assists, not much to write home about. But what a useful player he is and what a decision by the front office. I officially accept being clowned on by Masai.
And then came the 76ers. Now, this was probably a game for the ages. Throughout the first quarter, the 76ers were looking comfortable. Embiid was looking like the MVP candidate he has throughout all of this season. They were flying. And then suddenly, Van Vliet yeets in a three, uh, beating the shot clock, and then proceeds to just shoot three more. Suddenly turning the deficit around, putting the Raptors up. Philly then roared back in the second quarter, of course. Um, You know, Ben Simmons was looking like an absolute monster. Yep, he was getting a lot of luck going to the line. He managed to score 10 points at the line. Embiid with 12 points there. Um, They were also out-rebounding the Raptors. Embiid managed 17 rebounds in the game. The top rebounder in Raptors colors was Siakam with seven. So, you know, you're never going to win against a big team like Philly on the boards. You have to make a collective effort just to keep up with them. It's how you beat them in other ways, right? Nick Nurse surprisingly went small ball again, but guess what? Aaron Baines played 30 minutes. Why? Because he was a playing as a traditional big against Embiid. He limited him to six of 20 shooting. Yes, he lost the boards battle by crazy, but if you limit Embiid to that, you are doing your job in Nick Nurse's system. You are doing your job in this side. There's rumors that DeMarcus Cousins is on the trading block and that the Raptors might be a serviceable destination should he choose not to ring chase, for example, like the Lakers or the Nets. But with performances like this, that is all Nick Nurse wants in a big man. Be able to hold him. We remember Gasol sunning the likes of Vucevic. Embiid was probably scared, still having PTSD from Gasol a couple of seasons ago. But no, Aaron Baines did a great job on him. And that's all you can ask. That's all you can ask. He didn't shoot so well himself, four of nine, zero of three from behind the arc. But you don't want him to do that. You leave that to the likes of Van Vliet, like Siaka, 23 points each. Norman Powell didn't have a great game. But, you know, the thing about this Raptor side is only two players need to show up every night in terms of scoring. And the Raptors, luckily, have seven players who can. They have... Really, really good depth. You know, you can you can probably go through the Raptors eight-man rotation and just pick a starting five out there. That's not a luxury that all teams have. Especially when you see Chris Boucher for the third quarter. My word, I've never seen someone turn into Steph Curry for a five-minute period like that. Honestly, it was like watching the Splash Bros. Him and Terrence Davis combining for seven threes. Chris Boucher, five of six from beyond the arc, and he just looked absolutely unstoppable. I thought, I mean, his, if, if you've watched Boucher's shooting technique, it's so unconventional. But, of course, it's so useful because, you know, he's 6'10", 6'11", himself. And the way he shoots like a big man, he can launch it over anyone, right? There's no sort of length, even though the Philly are a really, really lengthy team, right? For, right from the start, right from Simmons to Thibault. Uh, to Harris, really got a lot of length in that team. But, you know, Boucher's going to just ride over all of that because his shooting motion (laughs) just takes him over the top every single time. Ananobi as well. Ananobi, again, like Bembry, doesn't show up on the box score necessarily, but he is making strides like none before. And I honestly think ever since he hit that shot against Boston to take game three in the bubble playoffs, he has just turned into an absolute beast. And I was gutted. We'll discuss the All-Star game in a bit, but I was gutted not to see him a little bit higher in the All-Star voting, especially when it came to the front court, because 
so far, honestly, he's just been one of the Raptors' best, best players this season. And his return has coincided with the Raptors' return to four. And that's not correlation. That is, my friends, causation. Outside of that, let's look at Terence Davis. Now, I'll make no comment on the charges that were dropped against him, but we're just looking at his on-the-court performance. Again, he has been absolutely brilliant. He was a plus 32 yesterday, scored two crucial threes, and proved once again, and we'll touch on this again, that do the Raptors really need Kyle Lowry? There is, of course, such an emotional tie to Lowry. A few games ago, he became the the franchise's third highest rebounder, who, of course, was crucial during the championship run. But sometimes, sometimes it is just time to go, right? Like, you can't necessarily just keep a player just for emotional value. Uh, And Terrence Davis, over the last, uh, over this regular season, he's shot pretty well. 43% from the field and 40% from three, 91% from the line. Uh, He's contributing uh, on the the defensive end, 0.6 steals a game. And he's really proving a useful guard position, especially, I think, with the lack of development that we've seen from Malachi Flynn, who, of course, could obviously grow grow to be a fantastic player, but right now is not necessarily proving it. And as his minutes on the court show, not necessarily proving it to Nick Nurse either. But Terrence Davis could be a real wild card, you know, that real ninth or tenth man, that real, the person who really, really people wanted Matt Thomas to be. You know, he's explosive. uh, He can shoot the three. Uh, He can get to the line. He shoots brilliantly from the line, as we said. And uh, he's not a liability on defense. So uh, Terrence Davis, you know, on the court, keep going, keep going. But I think at the end of all this, you look back on two wins against the Milwaukee Bucks and in the end, quite a resounding victory, a deserved victory over the Philadelphia 76ers. And you think fifth in the East, everyone playing well. A sort of system has emerged, right? Small ball against some teams, throwing banes against others. But either way, you've got a counter for every threat. The only problem with this Raptors team, they haven't got a superstar. But if they can counter every other superstar, then it becomes a fair battle. It becomes a battle between the three shooters. It becomes a battle between the likes of Siakam and Van Vliet and then maybe Tobias and Simmons, right? Embiid... His effect, despite thriving early on yesterday's game, was then wiped out by Aaron Baines. So it becomes a fairer fight on the floor. And suddenly your lack of a superstar isn't such a disadvantage. This Raptors team can go extremely far. You know, someone is turned different is turning up every night. The team spirit is there. They were playing in a faraway city, supposedly home games in Tampa Bay, right? How far is that from Toronto? It's with no fans in the stadium. Coming off a difficult loss in the bubble, a series, 4-3 series loss against Boston. Let's finally turn things up. And all of those who are calling for the Raptors to tank, I say, I say shame on you, because one of them might have been me. Now, just before we move on to other stuff around the NBA, we did some exclusive polling on our Twitter at Balling in the Six. Make sure you give that a follow. We said, what's the best starting lineup when everyone's healthy? And not surprisingly, 
you all went for small ball. You either voted for Larry Van Vliet, Powell, OG, and Pascal, right? The system we saw initially in the first game against the Bucks, or Lowry, Van Vliet, OG, Pascal, and Boucher. That was the second game. So it seems that it's having a real impact on you. And, you know, I'm very inclined to in- agree. Interestingly enough, I also asked last possession of the game, who takes the final shot for you, especially in a playoff thing? Most people voted for Lowry. And then you also got a couple of votes each for Siakam and Van Vliet. And surprisingly, and I, I'm ashamed of this, no one voted for the man who actually gave us the last game winner that the Raptors had in the playoffs, uh, and that was OG Ananobi. But of course, there is still some appetite amongst Raptors fans to keep Lowry. Um, It's not sentimental, of course. He is a great player. Only sentiment does play its part. But we were talking before about trading Lowry and allowing him to win another ring, you know, while he still is able to contribute. But is he going to have a better chance at Philly, at the Bucks, or at the Nets, against at the Raptors? On the evidence portrayed by the last few games, perhaps not. But enough of that, because we also did a poll who will be the toughest matchup for the Raptors in the playoffs. It was a tie between the Boston Celtics and the Nets, and of course we've beaten the Nets already. I know necessarily they didn't have the big three, the three-headed dragon when we were there, but... I think a team without a center who plays such poor defense, you can beat them. You can beat them. You know, uh, the all-round all round energy of the Raptors, the depth in the Raptors uh, makes actually quite a good matchup. Boston is the difficult one. You know, I know Boston aren't in very good form by now, but you know Brad Stevens. He always has Nick Nurse's number. He always manages to outdo him somehow. I think Boston is, is, is the toughest. But, you know, for more polls, for more sort of discussion on that, make sure you do follow our Twitter at Balling in the Six. Uh, But we will move on now to actually that trade discussion. I think every week until the deadline comes up, we're going to have a little conversation about trades that we might see in the NBA. The first is that uh, the Rockets are planning to part away with DeMarcus Cousins. Now, this is pretty sensible for the Rockets. They don't necessarily need his veteran presence. Um, They've got, you know, the likes of John Wall in there. Um, to help the younger players. And, you know, you want to give more minutes to the likes of Christian Wood. Fair enough. Now, DeMarcus, um, who is he going to go to? There's probably three or four options. I guess the prominent three would be the Lakers. You can always need a center to play back up to Gasol. Could go to the Nets, who need a big man altogether. Of course, the Raptors, who have been struggling so much with the likes of rebounding altogether. Um, And, of course what a player that Boogie has proved to be throughout his career, even after his ACL tear, he still managed to contribute to every team he's been on. Um, and a Raptors move, the team he used to bully for fun. <laughs> I remember this, certainly the, the the first ever time I was lucky enough to be in the Air Canada Centre was when he bullied Pertle, scored 30-plus and, and made the young Austrian foul out. It could be a good trade, but then you look at the analytics analytics of it. He's not mobile enough to play in your small ball lineup. He doesn't contribute enough as a facilitator compared to someone like Siaka. He doesn't shoot well enough to necessarily be counted as that sort of modern stretch five. And overall, he's sort of in no man's land. He's sort of in the middle of all things. And while that might seem a good fit for someone like the Raptors, the all-round side, it's not what they need 
right now, right? You need a body to put on someone, you have Aaron Baines, right? You need someone a bit more sturdy, more mobile, you have the likes of Stanley Johnson, Watanabe. The Raptors have got all the pieces, so I think it would be more of a forced signing rather than something they really need.